Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is September the 26th, 2022. Talking to you from New York. A uh, regular Keenon show takes place, is broadcast in San Francisco, but I'm on the road today. Regular viewers, listeners of the show know we've talked to many different authors about many different subjects. But today is a first for a couple of reasons. My guest um, is the author of a new book on sales and marketing, uh, Dr. Cindy McGovern, uh, a new book is out this week, Sell Yourself, How to Create, Live and Sell a Powerful Personal Brand. Dr. Cindy um, is herself a personal brand, an effective and successful one, um, as well as a successful author. Uh, she was the, uh, she's also the author of a previous book, Every Job is a Sales Job. But there are a couple of things uh, about Dr. Cindy that I've never done or never had as a guest on the show before, which are very intriguing. Uh, firstly, um, she has trademarked herself. Um, she is known as Dr. Cindy and uh, with an R after, and I think sometimes with a TM, and the first lady of sales. So I think for the first time on Keen On, On we have someone who is trademarked as a personal brand. I'm sure there are others, but I'm intrigued, um, Dr. Cindy. Uh, how do you trademark yourself as Dr. Cindy and as um, the first lady of sales? Why do you do it? And what's the difference between R and TM? So R is where it's a registered trademark. It's completely done. And, and all of those are actually R's now. So the reason that I did it is because I am the brand, which is partially why I wrote the second book uh, that's coming out this week, Sell Yourself, is you have to protect your brand. And Dr. Cindy and the First Lady of Sales are very specific brands in and of themselves where they're, uh, and it's funny, I speak about Dr. Cindy in the third person, but <laughs> she's a speaker, author who helps people to use sales to get what they want in work and in life. And so just like you would protect the brand of a company that does that, I just happen to be the vehicle. So that's why. Well, would the, you be uh, worried that there's another Dr. Cindy out there who will appropriate your, your, your stick? Well, partially, yeah. And we've actually run into that with the first lady of sales. We actually did have a trademark issue with someone who was doing sales consulting in a similar space and was trying to use that trademark. So just like you would protect your brand, if you are the brand, you must protect that as well. Why are you though the first lady of sales? What makes you the first lady? I'm sure there are, I'm sure you're a good sales lady, but there are many good sales lady out there. What makes you the first lady? So funny story. And I, if, whoever's watching and listening today, if it was you that said this, I still am hunting for you because it was so often that I was the only lady, Andrew. Like I was truly the only woman. And oftentimes even today, if I'm on a panel or if I'm speaking at a sales and revenue event, I'm still one of very few females that's sharing the stage. And so I was going on stage to be introduced and someone made a comment about, oh, this little lady here. And there was another person, I wish I knew who it was, who said, little lady, she's like the first lady. And I was like, wait a minute, that's pretty fantastic. And so um, it sort of kind of stuck in terms of part of my introduction and then became part of the brand. 
Um, so in a sense, when you're branding, when you're restricting or trademarking Dr. Cindy, you're doing a kind of a Dr. Ruth. Dr. Ruth was the, or is, I don't think, I'm not sure if she's still alive, is the, the first lady of sex. You're the first lady of, of <laughs> sex. Who's the first lady? Um, was Aretha Franklin the first lady of soul? That's right. That's right. What other first ladies are there? I mean, of course, there's uh, the there is uh, the president of the United, uh, the, the wife usually of the president. Of, well, always so far, the wife of the president of the United States, who's the first lady. Can you think of any other first ladies? Uh, I was going to call you Doctor Ruth. That would have been a really <laughs> Freudian era, wouldn't it? Dr. No, it's Cindy. funny. The, the two that you mentioned are the ones that usually come up in conversation is actually Aretha Franklin and Dr. Ruth. But it's not just ladies. I mean, Dr. Phil is a brand in and of himself. And it's really just knowing the brand that you want people to know you by because we're all creating our legacy. We all have a brand, whether we realize it or not. And so it's being more intentional about that brand and making sure that you're uh, fiercely protecting that in all aspects. Uh, and if uh, if I use Dr. Cindy um, inappropriately, will you sue me? <laughs> I don't know. Where, where? How would you? Use I'll it? have to. I'll have to be particularly inappropriate. <laughs> I can't do this in public. Um, Dr. Cindy, you seem to have a a dominant philosophy, um, which comes out in both books you've come out with. Firstly, every job is a sales job, and secondly, every person is a salesperson. But I have to say. I've heard that one before. I mean, you didn't come up with that, right? I think we all know that, but why aren't we taught it in school? And that's really what brought me to write the first book is I believe that sales is not just a business skill. It's a life skill. Why weren't we taught that? And so I want people to recognize that they sell every day. They're good at it, but they don't necessarily call it sales. They call it convincing or persuading. And so I think if you can do it more intentionally and more on purpose using the skills of sales professionals, you can have a better result at the end. But the truth is, is um, most people, at least before reading your books or coming to your lectures, most people don't like doing sales and aren't very good at it. I think it's because we have an ick factor. And that's what I call it in, in the first and the second book. I, I say we have an ick factor. Yeah, you are on your sales. website, you talk about cringing, the yeah. icky word that makes people cringe. And, and it used to make me cringe, funny enough. So I never wanted to be in sales either. And now I'm known as the first lady of sales, go figure. But what happened is when I got put into a sales role, I realized I'd actually been selling my entire life. I just didn't call it sales. And I had this avatar in my mind of, you know, the slick, fast talking, transactional salesperson, whereby that's a very small percentage of even sales professionals. What people are doing is truly creating an opportunity to help another person. And that's the way that I look at it is if you're creating an opportunity to help another person, that's what you're selling. You're selling your help, your services, your products that'll fill a need. But isn't that what you have to believe to sell without guilt? to sell unashamedly because the reality is, is most people are, are selling something that the other person probably doesn't particularly want. Well, but that's actually what brought me to write the second book, which is the most important thing you're ever going to sell is yourself. So why wouldn't we do that with intention? Because everyone is already selling themselves. Are they selling what they want others to perceive about them? Are they selling 
what they want their legacy to be, or has it been something they didn't really think about? And so I wanted to take that sales idea and bring it even more personal, where I talk about your personal brand. Are we, though, always trying to sell ourselves? I mean, firstly, we need to know who we are. And secondly, we're ambivalent about ourselves. Uh, in his uh, Broadway show, Bruce Springsteen, when he brings on his wife, um, who, who is very much in love with who he has, it seems to have a very successful relationship. He says intimacy is incredibly hard for a guy like himself because he wasn't happy about who he was. So he certainly didn't want to reveal that to his partner. Uh, isn't that just the reality of the way things are? You're a doctor, but you're not a psychologist. You're not a psychiatrist. You don't put us on, on, on the couch. No. And, and so going back to sort of the, the initial part of that question is the sales piece, we're selling ourselves whether it's on purpose or not. And that's what I want people to recognize in this is whether it's been intentional or not intentional, you are absolutely leaving an impression on others. So are you leaving the impression you leave to others and making sure that you're sort of controlling that narrative a little bit more and making sure that you're getting across the parts of your personality, the parts of your brand that you want others to remember you by. But that's a, a I mean, that would even make Donald Trump cringe. I mean, that's a shamelessly <laughs> transactional way of looking at how we live our lives. Well, you're already selling, though. So if you're already selling... Well, well, but you keep on saying that, but you're not really yeah. explaining how or why. I mean, if you keep on saying, if everything that comes out of your, your mouth is sales, then everything is sales. But Mostly we're not. We're chatting. I'm not selling you anything today. And, and in a way, you, you may not even be selling me anything. Well, I would actually disagree, though. I think that you are selling me because I'm walking away from this interaction with an impression of you. Is it what you meant for that impression to be? You know, if I have an inner encounter with someone at a grocery store or a restaurant and it's an unpleasant interaction, even though they didn't mean for it to be, I've walked away with a brand in mind of that restaurant or that store that isn't what they necessarily wanted me to have, that impression. But if they took the care and thought about that interaction as every interaction truly is a transaction of some sort, then they can leave me with a more lasting impression so that I become an advocate, I become a walking commercial. Everyone that we come in contact with on a daily basis is now a walking commercial for who you are as a brand. So are they walking away with what they mean, what we mean for them to walk away with, whatever that encounter, how brief that encounter? Dr. Cindy, I, I know you must have parents or must have had parents. I'm not sure. Do you have any children? I do not. What about in your relations with your parents when you were growing up? Was every encounter transactional? Were your parents always trying to sell you something? And as a child, were you trying to sell something back to them? Well, I think that we we have quite a few of those in a day. So if you're walking from your car to a store and you have your arms full and you make eye contact with another person, that's a sales encounter because you're well, trying to make eye contact with them. So they hold up on, on the parents thing. Well, uh, I mean, because m many of us and we have many shows on relations between parents and children um, and, and family issues. I, I, I think most psychologists, psychiatrists would be very troubled with the idea of all family relationships being transactional and being built around sales. Well, I think that's probably true from a from a psychology standpoint. And you'd have to ask a, psychi a psychiatrist on that. 
But what I would invite people to recognize is life is a series of transactions to a large degree. And when you're five years old and you're trying to convince your parents to give you a cookie, that's pure sales. You're just not calling it that as a five-year-old. You're just calling it trying to get a cookie. If the parents are trying to convince you to clean your room or to behave at school or get good grades, they're trying to sell you on doing that. So there is a lot of sales that happens within a day-to-day encounter within parents, children, friends, family members, colleagues. I take your point on the cookie, but with the parents, with children in particular, many of them are trying to bring their kids up as responsible, decent people. So when they're encouraging them to clean their room or behave decently towards their their friends or, or their neighbors, that's not really sales, is it? Well, they've got to sell them on the idea. I mean, think about how many negotiations parents had with you of if you clean your room, then you can go outside and play. If you so eat your vegetables, then you can be you, excused. Right. <laughs> but you have a broad definition. So sales for you is really just convincing someone to do something that you think is right. Well, not necessarily that you think is right, because that could be manipulate manipulation as well. I would never teach that. I, what I would teach is if there's something that's going to be in the good for the other person, then you want to make a sale. But these are more relationship sales that we're talking about right now. What I'm talking about in in my new book is that relationship that you're building trust with those around you in your personal brand. And part of what we have to do is make sure that we're selling them on the impression we want them to have on us so that there is that trust. So they can trust who we are and that we're going to be a good advocate or a good representative if they were to refer us to someone or even introducing us at a party that we've sold ourselves to them so that they know we're going to get to that party and behave like, you know, respectable adults. Mm. So it's the way that we're creating those relationships on a daily basis, I think is really the way that we're selling day in and day out. So you, you've spent a lot of your career building up, uh, if you like, an ideology of sales very briefly, because I don't think, for most of our audience, this is particularly shocking or unfamiliar. They might not like the idea of it. But very briefly, if they bought your book, what would they know that they most people currently don't know? There are many, many, many books on sales and marketing. What are you saying that nobody else has said? So the new book is the, how to sell your actual brand. So taking the skills of the sales professional to be proactive about it. There are tons of books on personal branding. There are fantastic books on personal branding but they bring you to the creation of the brand and then they stop there. They don't teach you how to then sell it. They may teach you how to live it a little bit, but it's truly about how you take those steps in a sales process to promote the brand that you want others to have about you and that you want to leave that leadership legacy or your personal legacy behind. And so that's the difference in that book is taking the ickiness out of the sales again and then helping them to you know, create the brand that they want how to live it day in and day out, but most importantly, how to sell it. How to live it day in and day out. What what does that mean? Do you mean even when the camera goes off, even when you shut the door and you sit alone, you have to be that brand? Well, I actually have a story about that in the book of Dolly Parton, that she actually sleeps in her makeup because if a fire or some tragedy happened in the middle of the night, she doesn't want whoever comes to her house to not see Dolly Parton. So that's an extreme version of that. But everybody loves Dolly, but we expect Dolly. And so I think part of what you want to make sure if you're truly crafting and creating that personal brand for yourself is that it's authentic. It's really you because you're not going to be able to keep it up if it's not. 
And even though your public facing persona might be a little bit more of you, like another uh, story I have in the book is of a radio uh, announcer, an anchor actually, and he says he's Sean plus 10%. Well, that's your personal persona, but you're still you at the end of the day. So making sure that it's something you can truly live day in and day out. Otherwise, you're going to be exhausted and not be able to keep it up. But a lot of people want to escape their brand. A lot of people don't like necessarily who they are in public and they enjoy retiring behind it. I mean, I can think of many artists, many music stars are entirely different when you meet them. So what's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with it at all if that's truly who they are. But those two brands well, you can of truly themselves... be parallel. You can truly be both. Why can't we be multiple? I mean, Mark Zuckerberg famously said uh, you can only be one person, which is his way of convincing everyone to um, accept Facebook privacy policy. But the reality is we're many different people. So I talk about this in the book, actually, and I talk about how we're multifaceted and that we pick which facet we want to highlight given the situation. So while you know, your extroverted nature may come out when you're on stage as a musician, you're actually quite an introvert and you want to sit at home with your dog on the couch on the weekends. You can absolutely be both of those, but it's recognizing those multifacets and making sure that they still live in harmony because when they don't is when it's off brand and that builds distrust with the people around you. And that's not what you want to do in sales. No sale happens without trust. So you want to make sure you're creating trust with everyone that encounters you. So as long as there is some core value crossover, you can still be all of those things in harmony. Have you seen the movie or the, the play, uh, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross? And... <laughs> Many years ago, yes. What, what uh, David Mamet, what, what, he presents sales as, a, as, a, as, a, as, 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 as something not much better than COVID. I mean, what, what's your take on many artistic representations from Shakespeare and that from the, the Greeks onwards, that sales is a bad, nasty, what you would call an icky or a, a cringeworthy thing? I think that's why we have that impression is because it's completely misinterpreted in most of you know media or portrayals or movies and that kind of thing is because it's characters, right? It's a character that they're behaving as. And it's sort of that avatar that I had in my mind of the very pushy salesperson. And that's why I didn't want to be in sales. But in fact, we buy and sell all day, every day with transactions, with emotions, with favors from one another that are not icky in any way, shape or form. And that's partially what brought me to write the first book is that's the book I wish somebody had given me when I was 20 years old, that sales didn't have to be awful, that you can do it in right. a very meaningful way. Every job is a sales job, which I, I, think, you, I think you're right on that one. And I, so how, do you, how would you teach sales in, say, kindergarten or in high school? So I wish there was this class. And well, I, think, at, I understand that, and I don't yeah. necessarily disagree, but how would you teach it? So I think that you have to bring it down to very simple steps that people can understand and execute on a daily basis. And I do wish I had had that course, which is partially why I wrote the book. But um, I teach five steps in both of my books. I talk about them in different ways, of course. Uh, but in the Sell Yourself book, I talk about how you take five steps of having a good, solid plan of who you would want to be known as, what you want that brand to be. And then you look for the best opportunity to highlight those facets of the brand 
that you want those around you to understand. If I'm trying to sell myself to a newscaster, so I want them to cover a story, I'm going to talk about other stories that I've been on, other news events that I've been on. If I'm talking to a publisher, I'm going to highlight books, of course. So you, you know, it doesn't mean that I can only speak on camera, I can only write books. They're multifacets to the brand. It's just making sure that we highlight those those ones but you have to look for the right opportunity do you have any friends of course and do you have a husband a lover i do and uh, what do they think of this what do they think of the books or just of the concept whole thesis that everything is sales so it's funny because when i started talking about the first and the second book with friends and colleagues they were like that's so true but they didn't think about it that way and even my friends in a sales realm and family members in sales hadn't thought of it as a life skill. And mm. so they were quite supportive of it because, again, we're not taught this in high school. And your husband? Very supportive. Very supportive. Is uh, I mean, do, do, do the husbands and wives sell? Is that their business when they're married? Is selling each other? Of selling course, it's negotiation. Yeah, but it's negotiation all day, every day. So, I mean, that's part of a healthy relationship is finding out what the other person needs and delivering on those needs. That's sales. What is it with you and orange? The books are all in orange. Everything is in orange. It's, it's, is that the, the I mean, um, and you're the founder of Orange Leaf Consulting. So just as you're the first lady of sales, is orange the first color of sales? <laughs> so the reason for orange is because of my companies, Orange Leaf Consulting and Orange Leaf Academy. And I chose Orange Leaf because I wanted to have something that represented change that people weren't afraid of. And people like when the leaves change. And so I believe that's what we do for organizations and individuals is help them create positive change. Sometimes you have to let some things go off of the tree to create room for new growth. So that's where Orange Leaf came from. And then when my first book came out, McGraw-Hill, the publisher, um, came up with a cover that mimicked the orange. And so we stuck with it definitely part of the brand yeah are you you you're wearing i mean it's hard to tell because your lighting isn't so good but you, are you wearing orange i am not i'm wearing yellow today but do you think everyone should color coordinate and uh or coordinate in other visual ways um to to to, to reflect their own sales identity do we all need to have a sales identity do we all need to try to emulate um dr cindy no, I think you should emulate whoever you want to or be your own person, more importantly. But I think that we do sell to the five senses. And I actually talk about that in the book, Sell Yourself, where I talk about how we sell to all five of those. So if a doctor walks in to come and examine you and is completely disheveled, they're selling you something. It's probably not what they mean to be selling you. But if they come in, look completely organized, have your file, you know, start to talk in a, a manner which seems quite inquisitive so that they're going to diagnose you, then it builds trust and then a better sale occurs because you're going to be a walking commercial for that physician when you leave, good or bad. So I think that people can decide what they want their brand to be and do it with more intention. But I would also argue that people are selling whatever that total package is today, disheveled or not. So choose for yourself if you want to be selling differently to the five senses, that's something that you could consider. Why do you think sales brings out our kind of innate snobbery? I'm sure that some of my critical questions are a reflection of my own particular snobbery about sales. I remember dating a woman who in New York who was very fancy, and she took me 
uh, to a party with our other fancy friends and they all had PhDs and after a while they were beginning to get on my nerves. So one of them asked me what I did and I said, I'm a sales. And after that, none of the people there talked to me. So it, it certainly, uh, it, it, was a, it was a good way actually ultimately to disentangle myself. You know? <laughs> uh, but wh why are we so snobbish towards sales, including myself, maybe even yourself? So I, I don't know. I mean, I think it's it's one of those things where it's a very individual piece of of who you are. And depending on what interactions you've had with salespeople certainly shapes you and the people that you're speaking with. So perhaps the group of PhDs had only ever seen salespeople in sort of that negative light. And that was your opportunity to maybe show them, you know, a different side, but they weren't even open to it, it, it sounded like. And, you know, looks like you were maybe looking for an out, which is great. But I do think that there's a bit of snobbery only if you're not seeing sales for what I, I think it is, which is really helping another person. I think that sales is has needs to be reframed. Because it's that piece of, oh, I'm going to push something on you that you don't need. Well, I'm if you're selling shit, if you're just selling stuff that people, I mean, most people who, for better or worse, are in sales are selling something, their person, their products that people don't really want. Door-to-door -door well, salesmen, uh, online salesmen of one kind or another. I mean, that's, you, you can't claim that everybody wants something that the other person's selling, including people. You know, a lot of people are ugly. A lot of people can't sell themselves, however many books of yours they read. So I, I don't disagree with you, but I don't think they're looking for a relationship sale. I think they're looking for a transactional sale and I'm teaching people relationship selling. So it's a very different kind. They are a one and done. They don't care what the lasting impression is. What I'm selling people is how to sell yourself, how to create those relationships, those networks. I believe that nobody does this life alone. And so we're pack animals at the end of the day. We're human beings. So we're creating that impression that we want others to have. If you don't have a care in the world about what others think, that's very much transactional. Maybe you do sell well, them that's whatever a brand. Well, that could be a more. brand. It is. Well. Absolutely. Absolutely. But it's not the type of sales that I teach. And, and finally, do you have an example apart from yourself of a particularly good and a particularly bad salesperson. I'm curious what you think of, I don't always like talking about Trump, but he's an interesting example in the context of what you're talking about. Firstly, because he has a, also a, a transactional philosophy of the world, but I'm not sure whether he's a really, in your book, either a really good or a really bad salesman. Well, so you asked for a good example. So let me share one that's actually in the book and it's Weird Al Yankovic, the musician. Mm. He was quite purposeful on creating his brand of weird and mm. it was crafted and he follows the steps that I teach in the book of create, live and sell. But it was very much a project that he began in sort of leaning into his yeah. weirdness to be able to get where he wanted to go. So I think he's quite successful at it. But then I have another story in the book of, of someone who. Uh, was quite confused on their brand and wasn't actually able to sell it because she didn't know which piece of her brand she wanted to be. It was model or investigative journalist. She was promoting both brands, but poorly because it was a split personality. People don't know how to support that. So I think sometimes people are selling a bad brand because they just haven't been clear on the brand that they want. 
Yeah, and brands get very boring. I used to have a brand uh, when I came out with my first book. I was the Antichrist of Silicon Valley, which was a clever brand for a while. But after about a year, I got really bored with it. I mean, do you keep on having to reinvent your brand, do you think? I think brands are ever evolving. Absolutely. And as the world changes, we evolve with them. And that's part of the reason that I wrote this book right now is we went through the great resignation, the great remorse, the great reset. I believe next is the great rebrand because whether you move jobs or not, the world around us has changed and the way that we interact with other humans has shifted. So I think it's a time to resell yourself and reposition yourself regardless of what role you're in. Well, that I'm sure is going to be the title of your new book, Cindy, <laughs> The Great Rebrand. You're already the author of Sell Yourself, uh, and every job is a sales job. You're brazen in your own way about at least promoting the idea of sales. Congratulations. You're not shy. And I like your orange. I like your nerve. Uh, and I'm sure for people who do want to sell themselves and build their own brand, your book is an important and interesting one. So I would I would urge them to buy it. Uh, you're not shy about selling it either. If you go to your website, there are all sorts of promotions. What else are you reading? Uh, do you read? Uh, I hope you, uh, you read books that aren't purely associated with branding and marketing. Absolutely. I'm actually reading one right now. Um, I'm rereading it. It was one that I read a while ago, but it's called Straight Talk by Rick Brandon. And it's one of my favorites. It's a newer book, but talking about just truly straight talk and communicating more effectively and efficiently, which I think is part of my brand. And I try to make it that. And uh, I want to help others to do the same.